for security reasons, but you know what? The weather for good walks has been optimal. It isn't super humid yet. Still have those crisp mornings and there's some really beautiful college campuses not too far from Bitcoin Park. So I've been on my walk game, really making the most of the spring and Bitcoin Park, especially just beginning of the day, Josh is brewing up coffee and, you know, being this cheerful, lovely self. And it's a it's a very special place. Nashville has some very special people for sure. Wish you had uh, that in LA or you could just move <laughs> here. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> what is up, Chris? I will, I will address your question in a moment. I mean, look, I will just say as someone who got, had the great fortune to spend a lot of time at Bitcoin park on my last Nashville visit, like it is a, a must, must see, must, it's a, it's a, almost a rite of passage. You have to go to a meetup at Bitcoin park in Nashville because it's just, it's, it's unlike any meetup anywhere in the world. And I'm not trying to throw shade at Austin, but like it's Austin. It's not the same as Nashville, man. <laughs> Austin's a different, it's a different flavor. I mean, we're sister cities or cousins or whatever. I think there's a lot of parallels of Nashville yeah, you're, and Austin. You're Southern cities. You're definitely related in some way. <laughs> yeah, it's true. There's, there's good in both. And we're both very preeminent Bitcoin cities these days. Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome into another episode of Late Night Bitcoin. I am your host, Q, coming to you as usual from my mother's basement, and I am joined by my dear friend, none other than Specific Mills. I, I will never get this right. Even even the Bitcoin Magazine days, I couldn't get this right. Um, Lana will be joining us shortly. She did not rug us. She is an actual mother in charge of another human being. Neither of us <laughs> have that responsibility, thank God, or at least not that I know of. Um but Mills, I would I will kick this off as I do every episode, and I will ask you the million dollar question of what was the first time you ever heard about Bitcoin and what was your initial reaction? Yeah, I don't know that I could pinpoint number one time hearing it. Uh my brother was a tech journalist at the time. And I heard about a lot of things, kind of in one ear, out the other, I don't know, past. But I remember specifically, and I had already known about what Bitcoin was, even though I, I wouldn't say I understood it at this point. Um, but I remember we were in a like dollar slice pizza shop, maybe like Second Avenue, somewhere between 14th and 23rd, and hearing that Bitcoin was five dollars had like crossed five dollars and i remember really asking my brother do you think it's ever gonna be a thing you know and i have thought about that moment it's one of those moments in time where you don't know that it's a historical thing until later and i've thought about that moment so many times i'm like i never would have guessed in that weird random one-off that i was like oh i'm gonna think about this and it's going to be a lifestyle and career in so much of my existence, but it's fine. <laughs> We've come a long way in 12 years, a long way to say the least. Um, in that I wish I would have bought Bitcoin. Then. <laughs> you know, no one does. No, no one ever I'm does. Human. That first time, you never do it. Yeah. Um, 
how long did it take you to go from, will this become a thing to, oh my God, this is a thing? Shout out to my Bitcoin brother. That's how I officially refer to him in my writing and speaking. But actually, we're he and I are doing a, a co-guested Twitter space tomorrow. And it's our first public, I mean, it's a Twitter space, with acknowledging the fact that we're siblings. So honestly, maybe maybe I'll make the, you know, Bitcoin news the this is a long lost siblings discovered but anyway um this what, is the what, spaces tomorrow the mining spaces tomorrow right with jason Liss, colin no this is thank god for bitcoin i think it's 11 central jordan jm writes mm-hmm. um and the thank god for bitcoin conference handle um anyway my brother my bitcoin brother he honestly like gave me a very emotional plea where he said for me could you just buy fifty dollars of bitcoin a week and i remember at the time i think i i had probably just graduated from my second college i was like that's a lot of just spare change you know i'm not just like throwing two hundred dollars around and I remember haggling and talking him down. And I think it was like, what about like $20 a week or something, something like that. And honestly, that's how I first got exposure. My brother wore me down in love and care. And I, and he didn't guilt me into buying it, but he was kind of like, like, if I'm wrong, like, I'll, I'll reimburse you the whatever. I, I don't think he actually said something like that, but he was like, so and he's a very sincere guy like he he meant it and he believed it and i guess i was just <laughs> thanks chris <laughs> yeah so i am um, i had an idea chris and q recently for if i was to write a you know life story a memoir the title and i'd call it subtitles and I've been thinking a lot about how, you know, we're these biased, you know, we think that we're the all-knowing narrator, but we're an unreliable narrator for the most part, right? We are, just factually. So then think about, I, I know that I'm living my life. I'm the one in, in the driver's seat, I think, but then what does someone that's looking at my life without my inner monologue, what are the subtitles for what they see um, if they didn't have sound? Anyway, that, that I, will, uh, I will stop rambling, but uh, that was a really great long answer to how I first bought Bitcoin. And then, I mean, look, you're just giving me great material to absolutely roast you because Chris gave you the name of your book. For those who are just listening to the podcast, Chris Lamo submitted the name for Mills's memoir to be the story of why Mills should be a billionaire, but isn't. Um, I hope you gave your Bitcoin brother the biggest hug in the world and you continue to do so every time you see him. And just, I hope he also reminds you that you could be that much richer if you weren't so cheap. He's he he has never rubbed it in, and I, he has also never gloated. You know, shout out my He's brother. He's a better man than I. 
Yeah, but we do actually it started because he was staying with me. He had just come back to New York, partly because of the amazing Bitcoin community in New York to he had taught himself to code and was coming back to be in New York a month before COVID hit. So I, I had said, yeah, 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 like, yeah, stay with me. And then <laughs> what was going to be six weeks was six months. And we spent all of the lockdown basically together. And that was really how I started going to bit devs. I had, yeah, I, I had always been intimidated to ever do anything. Cause I'm not, I wasn't super technical. I'm still not super technical. Um, but during COVID we missed hugs, both of us. And we started a morning hug and a night hug, um, in our little, you know, Greenpoint existence going through the, the lockdown, the quarantine in New York. And now pretty much if I ever stay with him or if he stays with me, we still, we still do it, but also we hug each other when I, we see each other. It's very cute. Cute. So we have a, we have a lot of, we have a lot of love. Siblings Miller. I love that. I love that. Are people um, fighting over the rights of my, uh, Oh no, it's already been established. I'm going to okay. produce the film. Mark will edit <laughs> and do the, uh, score. And then, of course, we we need to hire actors, and and you, of course, will be the EP and in charge of it all. But it goes without saying that Mark wow. and I will have our hands deep inside of this, and this we'll sounds... give we'll give Chris a producing credit for the title. <laughs> this sounds like a really fun dream project to to work on. Yeah, you just got to write your memoirs. We'll take care of the rest. <laughs> you know, I wrote as my senior thesis. Um, I wrote some childhood, like, I mean, you're too, you can't, you can't publish at all. You should never publish a memoir unless you're at least like 40 or something. I don't know, halfway through life. I think, I mean, not, not saying you can't just live fast and loose, but all the people that have published very young, early twenties things i feel like they're gonna regret it and i just don't want to be that person i feel like i know that myself and know that i would regret it if i was to jump the gun as they say so on that note you obviously know who my favorite living basketball player is right because i wouldn't shut up about him at the conference last year and i still don't forgive myself for going to that after party where he was at and i brought his jersey and i was gonna wear his jersey to that party we were on different plots that night I know, and you, so, but like you wouldn't answer my question, and I was so tired that night, and I kept on being like, "Mills, just give me a straight answer. Is Shaq at this party? Because I will wake up and come." And you're like, "Just come, just come, just come." And I was like, "Is he there? Yes or no?" And you wouldn't give me the answer. And then the next day, you're like, "Yeah, you missed it. Shaq was there." I was so mad at you, but reason I bring this up is because Shaq actually did exactly this. He wrote a memoir right after winning his very first championship with the LA Lakers after the year 2000 in the year 2000 and then the following year they win another one so he literally adds a chapter addendum to that and then in the addendum he's like yeah I probably made a mistake writing this as early on as I I did because I I got like 10 more years left in my career um sure enough he had 10 more years left in his career he could probably have waited like five more years before writing it but eventually wrote a second memoir so does this mean we're going to get two memoirs out of Mills? 
I mean, if I wasn't so fond of my privacy, yes. But as is, it's the perk of uh, being friends. I will tell you crazy stories. And the crazy stories just, they just never stop. So um, you get the the real deal, the experience. I don't think this is ever going to be uh, packaged and on shelves, sadly. As much as making a movie with all y'all would be very fun. All I'm saying is we have to just change like four names and then we're good. You can call it fiction with quotes around. <laughs> uh, doesn't that always make a movie better when it says the, the disclaimer or something like nothing in this is an intentional replication of real life any coincidence or any overlap whatever is purely coincidental and if that's there then you know it's true like you know that it's about the true something that happened and they took liberties but you know what happened well you and i especially like having the background of of working in hollywood you producing me as an agent like we know the background of like, oh, that statement is there because they couldn't secure the life rights. Like they're going to tell this story whether or not the person wants it told or not. And that person missed out on a, a solid payday. Yeah. Um, I could spend hours talking to you about your childhood, but I want to, I, I hear Chris in the back of my head going, bring it back to Bitcoin, bring it back to Bitcoin. So I'm going to, I'm going to do exactly that. Um, one of Chris the things, can't leave our heads. Dude, Chris lives rent-free in my head right now. <laughs> but you brought up when I originally asked about your first interaction with Bitcoin and that story you talked about from 2011, like you, nor frankly anyone for that matter, could have even begun to imagine the culture that was going to follow, not just, you know, the freedoms this technology afforded, not just the wealth that some people have garnered from holding for so long, but the cultural aspect of being a Bitcoiner, like that is a, that is an adjective that a lot of us hold proudly on our chest, even sometimes. Um, like I was explaining recently, like shout out my co-host for the Bitcoin Ballers podcast, uh, Ulrich, dude plays in a basketball league, like in a local league, cause we live close to each other with like a and he plays against all of these kids I went to high school with, including some of my best friends. And I was talking to them. I was like, all right, this guy I know keeps saying like he's like a really good basketball player. And I'm like a little skeptical on it. Do you know this guy? He's on this team. He's like, dude, that's the best team. That that one guy with the afro is so good. I was like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. So Ulrich, Ulrich can ball. And they were like, oh, how do you know him? Well, he's a Bitcoiner. I was like, what's a Bitcoiner? Like, yeah, you don't get it. To you, what does it mean to be a Bitcoiner? Man, Q asking these existential questions. Um, I think I've not, believed Did you not get things. the memo that you were supposed to smoke a little bit of weed before this? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my memo was lost in the mail. I am, um, you know, I think it's meant different things at different stages. And I think there are probably... A lot of answers that I'd either agree with or, you know, I don't know if there's the right one. Um, I would say that it is an understanding fundamentally that, oh, hello. Hi. Did not mean to steamroll your answer, Sorry. but we it's are guests. Fine. It'll, it'll keep. There's what? 
Um, well, I'm just answering the deep existential question of what it means to be a Bitcoiner. Oh. So. Continue. By here we are. Don't let um, me uh, interrupt. Beginning. Um, I think understanding, yes, there are other currencies, coins, securities, tokens, whatever, speculations, investments, stocks. There's all, all these other options. I think there's a fundamental respect that Bitcoin is different than everything else. And a couple reasons, maybe understanding why it's different. But beyond that, you know, so it's a prioritization. That's the one part I'd say. And the other part would be a fundamental hope and belief in the code, I guess, and this as a solution and understanding right, that the money is broken. So I think if you don't think the money's broken, it's pretty hard to see how money is, a, or how Bitcoin is a solution. Look at me just interchangeably saying money and Bitcoin, guys. But because I think- it's the same thing. I think that's the, that that's how I would, as it hits me in this moment, that's how I would answer what a Bitcoiner is. Q. I, I definitely think like the, the thread I'm going to pull off of that is like this idea that we as Bitcoiners recognize the money is broken. And I think that is an underlying theme that, that feeds into everything else. Oh, the money's broken. Well, if this is broken, what else? Oh, our food supply is broken. Oh, like our, our laws are broken. Our leaders are broken. It, it, you start to sort of uncover and dive deeper down this rabbit hole. But I want to shift for a moment take a step back. Lana, welcome to Hi. Late Night Bitcoin. Why, thank you. Sorry, um, I was rude. Do not say sorry. You are in charge of another human being. This is a responsibility that I can't even begin to fathom. Hey, Nor do you, I want to. And Are you talking about him right here? He's no. not a human being. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, Lana, I would like to ask you the question that every guest who comes on the podcast is asked. What was the first time you ever heard about Bitcoin? And what was your initial reaction? And I'm not asking the orange pill story. So the very first time I heard of Bitcoin, John, my now husband, uh, had just gone to a Ron Paul rally in D.C. <laughs> it was like 2012, 2013. And I definitely laughed it off. I was like, yeah, OK. At the same time, I was laughing off homeschooling. So this is where I was at as a person. And we can look at the evolution of where I'm at now, where I'm. 100% homeschooling and here I am working at Bitcoin magazine. So we can see how that turned out. I completely I mean, I was like, yeah, okay, sure. Whatever. Uh, I'm just glad you didn't laugh John out of the room though. No, I didn't, but I did like, so it took him probably five years before I'd start to take it seriously. Like he was running a honey miner on my iMac all through my college years. And I was just annoyed at how slow it was making everything run. I was like, John, I need this for school. I have design projects. like, And I was just not having it. But I'd always like listen to his stories. Like, yeah, that's really cool. Um, never really listening, though. And then probably within five, six years, I was like, yeah, okay. I, there's probably more to this that I should probably start paying attention to. Okay. I'm going to, because this is my podcast, I need to ask these questions for my own sake. Because right now, the battle I'm in with Stevie is... I get on her sometimes for, for shopping a little too much. And her response is, right, but you spend all this money on Bitcoin. I'm like, that's, yeah. that's not the same thing. It's like 
you're not spending money on Bitcoin. You're converting money to Bitcoin. You're converting fiat. You're just converting your money from I'm selling fiat. Yeah, you're get you're getting out of fiat to put it into a sounder money. That's it's not like you're buying shoes, which is what I more often do. So your currency was... trading. I yeah. think that's what we could call that. Yes. Uh, Dylan LeClaire would have some words to say about us calling ourselves currency traders, but I digress. Uh, Lana, what, what got you over me, that Dylan. hump and how can I replicate that with my girlfriend? Uh, honestly, like truly, truly, like it took us sitting down and taking our finances very seriously as people just getting out of college and realizing like, now we realize what a joke student loans are. But then I was like, I'm not even kidding. I was losing sleep. Like I used to fear, fear the concept of being woken up in the middle of the night, whether it was by like a car alarm going off or like something. Cause as soon as I'd wake up in the middle of the night, I would instantly have a panic attack by the pressure of repaying my student loans. Because at the time my paychecks were $500 a week. Um, and my bills were stacking up. I, they're like the, income-based student loan payments like were $1,200 a month. I'm like, there's no way I'm ever going to be able to get out from under this debt. And just trying to sit down and realistically think like, how can I get out of this? I'm already working. Like I'm doing everything right. I'm playing by the rules. You start to very quickly realize you're not the problem. <laughs> like the the money is the problem. And it's it's just, it's really a shame to see the the amount of people just struggling and wondering what they're doing wrong. And ha who haven't yet realized that the core of the problem, to your point, is just the money being broken. Very much so. Mills. But I still buy shoes, Brent. Sorry. I still buy shoes. <laughs> Mills, you're muted. So, Lana, how would you describe a Bitcoiner? Mm -hmm. You heard you heard my answer, but Q, uh, we're, Please. we're... How would I describe a Bitcoiner? So I, my answer might very well be similar. Like, so to make it a little bit more dramatic, cause that's what I'm good at. Like we all know the correlation between the movie, the matrix. Like I describe a Bitcoin or somebody that's you mean like, the documentary, the matrix. Yes, naturally. Like as somebody that cutie, your point from a bit earlier, once you pull at one thread, like once you're like, okay, this is broken. You can't, you can't just say, okay, this part's broken, but everything else is fine. Like it truly is like a, you're pulling back the curtain. So a true Bitcoiner is somebody that has done that, probably mourned all of the ideas of what they were raised believing and knowing and found the right answer and realized like, okay, this is, this is what I need to be running toward. But that requires a lot of changes. Like it requires you to think about your food differently. It requires you to question authority and government and, and, organize politics and policy and groupthink like it a true bitcoiner at least from my experience i can't speak for the world of bitcoiners as a whole is somebody that questions everything doesn't trust they verify everything um sometimes to a frustrating point but you can't fault them um and is in in the best way very self-sacrificing because i think at least to my general understanding this isn't something that's going to be just a shift and a world change in our lifetimes. Like I look at this for like, what world am I leaving my son? What world am I leaving for my grandchildren? And I think a Bitcoiner, at least at this stage, because we are so early, probably recognizes that they're signing up for a lot of self-sacrificial behavior 
uh, a lifetime of questioning everything, but but working really hard toward a better s solution for the masses and um, taking control over something that historically has always just been trusted to third parties. So have you reached your quota of discussion about mandibles, Q, or can we talk about mandibles? <laughs> oh my God, I am itching because we ne I never had that conversation, Mills. I have never had the, the mandibles conversation. If we want to turn this into a, a full-blown mandibles talk, I'm so with it. Well, even if it's just a touchdown and we don't do a full landing here. Well, then you're, you're coming back to do the full episode with me. Just saying. I mean, yes. I, I'm just trying to get together a book club. So can we just have this be our book club? And we... Okay, Chris. Okay, we won't spoil uh, the ending, even though everyone has talked about it, Chris. Book club. I've right. gone as far as putting it on my Kindle. So, Chris. <laughs> Dude, yeah. I cram read that on a red eye did. to Bitcoin Amsterdam, only for Odell to get sick. I know you did. You literally, your response when I told you Amsterdam was a go, you're like, I'm downloading the mandibles right now, or I'm getting the mandibles right now. You did your homework. I did my homework. Literally. So um, set a date. We will not spoil anything, Chris, but let's... the rule of thumb is spoilers only last for a book. I'll give you six months, and this book was published in 2018. So... I would even give a year. All right, fine. We'll give you a year, but you're, it was generous. published five years ago. We will not go past chapter three, but you know how like at the end when that one thing happens with that one character? No. So I was actually having a oh. chat with Mark right before this, and I want, honestly, I want to reread it. I'm a huge proponent of rereading books if they're good. It, well, this is me like stealing what C.S. Lewis wrote in Experiment and Criticism, but like if there's value and merit, it, then it's going to be better the next time and the next time. Um, and if it's not one time only, I want to reread it. Can we say sometime in June, we do a book club discussion. Chris, you're invited. Lana, Mark, anyone. Um, but I want to specifically look at what's happening in the past, maybe like two months. Because obviously, well, we don't have to go into fourth turning. We don't have to go into end of the world, whatever. But I do feel like there's a lot of indications in the current climate, financially, that makes me think we could be in the, the prologue. or something. We're literally in chapter two of the mandibles. Like, I... I Chris, I'm so sorry if this spoils something, but I'm pretty sure Chris the, is gonna leave. The bank like the bank core is established very early in that book. It's the new currency that other nations use, but that the US government refuses to adopt. Well, guess what's happening to your point right now, Mills, is the BRICS nations are all meeting, getting more applications for more countries to join their group, and they're figuring out a mutually beneficial currency. It's literally straight out of the mandibles. Like I was having this conversation with Stevie last week. I had this conversation with my doctor last week. He was like, so like Bitcoin, man. I was like, dude, dude, let me tell you something. It's happening. So Look, you chased Chris away. I'm, I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, lost right. Chris. I knew the, it. I thought it was in the first three chapters. I could have sworn they talk about the Bancor in the first three chapters. He respects himself. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Chris, you can't do this. We're live on air right now, bro. 
the drama. <laughs> um, but to your point, Mills, I do agree that there's a, like there are shades of truth happening from these novels that were not written about pat the past. Like this, the manuals was written about a potential future in America. And another one, so the book that I'm actually reading right now, shout out Chris, who is the one who like really was pushing me at Bitcoin Magazine to finally read it. Finally, I'm getting around to reading it. It's dense, it's thick, it's long. Atlas Shrugged. So I'm on book two right now. And I have to say, there are, so there are aspects of this where it's like, oh, no wonder every single conservative talking head like talks about this book and like points to some of the moves that we make that like, are really reflective of exactly what's happening in that book. I I will say this objectively speaking, I think it's taking I don't actually think it's as literal though as something like the mandibles. And I think there's a degree of Atlas shrugged that is happening in real life, but there are a lot of other components of it that either are not happening publicly so they could very well be happening behind closed doors in those like super wealthy parties and all of those things. Or quite frankly, like spoiler, sorry, this book was published in the sixties. I don't care. I'm not even done with it and I'll spoil this much. Like Francisco Diancosia, like he, like that type of a, I'm just going to self-sabotage to destroy everything my family's built because I don't want any grifters coming along for that ride. That's Elon Musk right now. That's literally what Elon Musk is doing to Twitter and people are getting upset over it and people are trying to instigate certain laws. And then on top of that too, this is where it gets real. This is where like my brain hurts when I do this comp though. Not only is Elon Musk, Francisco Diancosia, he's also the fucking brother, excuse my language, who is like working with the government when Elon goes and is meeting with Chuck Schumer right now and be like, oh yeah, we need more more AI rules. Like, don't let don't let Microsoft go go balls to the walls on AI. We must we must limit their development of AI so that I can catch up and so that I can make money. It's, he's literally you playing. Like that's what Elon's doing. Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. And yes, by the way, there is an Atlas Shrugged movie that did so poorly that when the I movie called someone isn't to very try- good. The movie's so it's so bad that when I tried to call and get the light to get the rights for the book, someone laughed at me over the phone. They're like, "Don't do it! Don't do it! It's untouchable right now." So, I don't think that's what Elon's doing. Oh, okay. I so, I mean, I know he's a troll. Wait, 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 time out. Which which part? The tanking the Twitter or the impeding AI development? Impeding AI development. Okay, because he signed the document saying that we need stricter laws around ai no so i don't i agree i believe that he's doing that i believe that he's doing it maybe he's doing it just to come out with his better ai solution but i truly think that he is smarter than probably most people on this planet combined and he can see several steps ahead and i truly think that the average human myself included is too short-sighted to fully understand the ramifications of what they could be building with AI. Like, it's almost like I want to ride a bike without knowing how, thinking I know how. And Elon's like, you should probably get some training wheels. And I'm like, no, I'm good. And I'm going to like face plant. But like that face plant could equal like humanity being murdered in mass by AI. So I really truly believe like maybe I'm just... 
too on the Elon train because I was pretty pissed at him for a long time for all the Doge stuff. And I still am, to be honest. But the guy is smart. And I think the guy knows the limitations of your average human. I don't disagree. I mean, like you and I would have this conversation with P all the time about how like he's just giving all of this information to our future AI overlords and they will like use all of his weird messed up Dolly 2 prompts to create the scariest things to come and kill yeah. us. Dude, if only we knew back when we were playing with Dolly what AI was going to become just a few short months later. We were using it to make like clown doll images. We were bringing Bay. Mike Germano's son's cartoons to life, comic strips to life. And, and then now of course, we are having it write our email blasts. Just kidding. I write my own email blasts. I'm having it code for me right now. I'm literally building a website. As Mills learned, I am very bad at coding. So I'm using my training wheels of <laughs> chat GPT. And it's e excellent, to be quite honest with you. Um, but chat GPT is a pretty good sounding board in general. It's like sometimes uh, I don't actually want to share with everyone with the world, but I'll, you know, random robots that I don't know where the information is going to. That. Every once in a while, it's like well, a confessional. Some of it's definitely going to Microsoft. That much is sure. Yeah, um, it's like it's like I think it's like a ship in a bottle. I'm sending it off somewhere. But like I would I would make a case and say we, we've done this. We we've literally done exactly this with social media, where we we didn't realize the effects of what it was going to do to us. Every, yeah. every Bitcoiner I think should should at least watch Social Dilemma to get a better understanding of how like your Twitter addiction is a genuine problem and Elon is actually going to like capitalize on it. He's turned Twitter into TikTok already and I personally don't like it, but yeah. sep separate thing. Like we didn't know that by just throwing everything at Facebook, we're giving Mark Zuckerberg the largest data set on humanity ever created. And then it's too late. Like the bell's been rung. So to your point, Lana, I do agree that maybe Elon sees that as a potential problem given everything else that's happened. But yeah. again, as the, as the free market capitalist that I am, and as someone who is literally reading Atlas Shrugged right now, to see a group of businessmen go to the government and say, hey, stop the development of this technology because we don't know what it's like is literally what they did to Reardon Metals. So yeah. like- I'm with you. Like, if anything, this really only confirms well we live we live in a simulation that 99, like my like 50-50 is up to a 99%. I'm in a simulation that honestly, the documentary, The Matrix showed us that AI literally will do this to us one day because they realize like, oh, why do I need this human counterpart that slows me down, that uses more energy? So... Yeah, it's you a know, documentary. I know that we're not talking about the problems with the Matrix right now, but it does seem like a very inefficient way to harvest energy. No? What, with humans? Spoiler. Wow. Just... <laughs> if you... Okay, talk oh, about... Movies are <laughs> hard three that months a, and they can be spoiled. That was a joke. It was a joke. No, no. The way they harvest human energy, it feels very... I just feel like they could have come up with a more exciting, plausible. It seems very unrealistic. What do you want? A bunch of people like running on treadmills? <laughs> I kind of do. Like I want. She wants the hamster wheel. You don't want the goo pods. The goo okay. pod. 
without some more electric current, it just left it wanting for me. So what you want, it's because I know the way your brain sort of, I'm, I'm learning the way Mills' brain works. <laughs> you want screaming children on hamster wheels because that's, so, the, that's the, the real energy source. And I think Monsters, Inc. is more believable and plausible <laughs> in this one area. What? It's harvesting adrenochrome in this one area than the little pod thing. It just seems like, just think about the overlaying build dormant. all those right. pods. Yeah. Cute. I don't think this is a laughing matter. This is serious. <laughs> no, I'm Everyone trying to, I'm trying to give energy to our AI overlords. Because remember, at the end of Monsters <laughs> Inc., spoiler, that laughter gets more energy than screams. Spoiler. I, Lana so often would be like, and and we come in peace and we're and we are very respectful and we like I you. Will not fight. <laughs> <laughs> I am submissive to my AI overlords. I am yes. yes <laughs> Mark Mark Goodwin, I actually feel like Pixar did the one two with Wally as well. Um I, I know that there were movies in between, sorry. However, the the harvesting pods in Matrix like goes to these pods, these fleshy you know what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 Lana's video is frozen, so I don't see her face. So I just have to only oh, no. look at you. Am no, I frozen? just probably on on. She's me, not though. frozen for me, so I think she's frozen for you. Mills, I think it's a personal problem. Internet. Yeah, your internet's about to crap out on us. But oh. I digress. I want to. I'm loving. I'm loving where we're going with this, and, and I'm going to keep prodding at these <laughs> things a little bit. If if you'll if you'll entertain me. What else can we spoil? Spoiler <laughs> alert. Um. So we've, we've firmly established that we are living through moments from Atlas Shrugged. We're living through moments of the mandibles. I think we are doing a disservice to not also spoil George Orwell's 1984 and Big Brother. I've never and, read and all this, all this you, break Did you not world. graduate from high school in America? I thought it was not required reading for everyone. But it wasn't for AP. I was an AP. Well, then maybe actually... my AP was different. I'm sorry. I was reading shit that I don't know. I was not. Oh, oh, I'm so sorry. Lana read harder books than me in high school. Ugh. If it helps, I remember none of I that. I actually read 1984 sophomore year before I had AP classes. So maybe oh. that's it, though. Mm. Brave okay. New World was pre AP. Yeah, Chris is dead, by the way. Just. I, I want to quickly spoil. I'm not going to say what it is, but Chris, he's dead. You find that out at the end of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Chris. Poor, poor Chris. If you are watching this on Twitter, if you are listening to this later, you what about- need to subscribe on the YouTube channel. If you are watching on YouTube, make sure you subscribe down below. It had to be said. What Mark- about Fight Club? Oh, I need to watch oh, you it. Just, I, I've never watched it. I know. Wait. I know. I know. You've never seen Fight Club? I know. It's literally just been sitting on my watch list, too. I am so happy for you that you have this great joy and pleasure yet to look forward to. God bless you. I'm very excited. I know that I'm going to love the movie, too. And it's one of those things where it's like, I want to have like undistracted, just 
let me yeah. chill and watch this movie. Not oh and my god, attention. like don't yeah. scroll Twitter. Yeah, exactly. Because I'm I'm awful about that. No, like hooked up to the IV, <laughs> Mister Movie Phone over here. Mark, I've never read Fight Club. If that makes it any better, I've only I mean Brad Pitt. Okay. But apparently Mills is my source on this. Mills, I will let you say the line. That the author of Fight Club? Did the book's or up? what? That the movie, this is one of the only examples of a movie being better than the book itself. It is an entirely different experience. And I think it's one of the only instances where I think you could enjoy both separately they are not the same the movie it was like extra life was breathed in That's would you guys Brad, Brad Pitt tends to do that Harry Potter <laughs> what I love Harry Potter is it but it, it's the same example I think like sorry to get out of like sophisticated Bitcoin or mindset <laughs> Harry Potter the books are just as good as the movie and vice versa oh I completely disagree with you the books are infinitely better well, the books are incredible. Okay, so you have to separate them. I know this you, is not. You do, but this is this is why I will die on this hill. Can you name me the last book that was internationally anticipated for a release? What? Like we look forward to movies coming out. We look forward to the next season oh, of a no, TV right. show. But the last time our entire society looked forward to a book. Yeah, Harry Potter. People were lining up the night before. It was entire society is a little overstating. Not not. No, I don't think it is. Okay, okay. Sorry, you didn't have a childhood and you did not enjoy Harry Potter. (laughs) It was widely loved by everyone I knew. I remember a very similar phenomena for Twilight. I don't know if they were contemporaries, but I remember friends like waiting at Barnes and Noble for I don't know the new book to come out like that that same level of Harry Potter expectation but not global cultural moment yeah I don't know what the numbers are I'd be curious to see how many copies have sold I don't know we live in 2023 um all right, I, I gotta ask this now. So, like, what is what is each of yours favorite book as an adult right now? Like, what is a book where you're like, ah, I can just pick this up, read it, and I know I'm gonna enjoy it and love it. You want to go first, Mills? I don't. There's, there's too many books. So I can go first because it's an easy one. Um, it's called Night Film. It's totally out of the blue, but it's called Night Film. It's by Marissa Peschel. Um, it's it's a mind twist. Like you don't fully understand what's reality, what's actually happening, what's happening in this guy's head. Is he slowly going insane? Um, and it's like a true page turner. And if you and thankfully I have the memory of a fruit fly, so I can reread books and not remember how they end. So that's a good one to reread. What, what is this book called? It's called Night Film. 
I have a hard copy if you want me to bring it to Bitcoin Miami or the Bitcoin conference in Miami in 15, 16 days. I did not call it Bitcoin Miami. I will deny it if I'm ever told. Ca casual rebrand. I, I, I see you. I see you. <laughs> the Bitcoin conference coming to Miami Beach, May 18th through 20th. Well, um, Lana, I'm Mills, so proud of your shill. Before I get your answer, I do have an answer to your question. So Harry Potter sold more than 500 million copies worldwide twilight sold 160 million so more than three times number of copies how many books. copies of the bible oh that's i mean so when did we start but, tracking that well i mean oh, wow I, I know bible's all time give, so it's give just me a guess good... give me a guess Six billion. <laughs> Ooh. Mills. I was thinking like three billion, and now I'm like, why am I such a bear? But I felt like bearish on the Bible. <laughs> so it is actually estimated between five to seven billion. I'm Lana, a like literally right in the middle of that range. Wow. Lana wins. Ding 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 ding. So fun fact, guys, Silk Road. Being, bring, I'm bringing it back to Bitcoin. Let's talk about Bitcoin again. Appreciate you. Um, the most purchased item on Silk Road purportedly the was the Bible. Yep. Well, see, here was the other thing, though, I wanted to ask you, though, is how many of those copies of the Bible? Well, actually, do you, do you know this fun little statistic? Do you know what the most stolen book in the world is? One can I'm going to guess the Bible. Correct. Because it's so, and I, I actually learned because when I was at the World Cup with my buddy and then his, his family was also with us, his mom, we were making a comment about how in Dubai, of all places, there's a copy of the Bible in our hotel. Yeah. And I was like, I actually like, funny enough, like I don't have a copy of the Bible. I have some other religious texts, but I don't have a copy of the Bible. And his mom was like, just take it. Like they're there for you to actually take home. Like it's not, people think it's stealing the Bible, but they're put in these hotel rooms with the hope that people will actually just take it home with them. Really? Because mm -hmm. they're donated. They're donated to the hotel. Can confirm that the hotel does not buy and order and place, they do it in partnership with like Gideon's mm -hmm. uh, purse. Is that what it is? Interesting. Mm-hmm. Because I would always assume, like, okay, I'm not, I'm gonna steal the little soaps. Don't get me wrong, I'm gonna steal oh, this, but I'm not gonna steal <laughs> scripture out of the nightstand and not assume that some kind of cardinal sin. I I always found that statistic just so funny that it's the most stolen book. I, we're about to tell people to go steal the Bible the next time they see the hotel. <laughs> and then, honestly, the wrath of God is going to come down on everyone as a result. One of um, us is just remember, it. Mills told you that, not you. <laughs> wow, I love that. Uh, we can always play the tapes, Q. Um, but no, I, you're not actually the first time I've heard this in that the housekeeping they will have a couple extra of the gideon's bible on their cart because if someone had taken the bible they have more to put it in and they're, they're like donated so with pillows however <laughs> and washcloths i have unintentionally um 
stolen quite a few washcloths from hotel rooms. Don't ask me how, but I have a very nice collection now of hotel washcloths that weren't intentional theft. They were uh, mixed in somehow. Um, Repeatedly with every hotel. (laughs) I mean, like, I honestly have like four and... I've felt bad every single time when I'm unpacking or like doing my laundry and I notice what am I going to do? Mail it back to the hotel, throw it away. Chris, it's not, if it's not bolted down, but I love your approach. Yeah. I do toiletries. I do. It's game over. If you have toiletries in there, like, the next guest will not see him. You need to replenish them. Um, I also i've i've learned I learned this the hard way because I got in trouble in college for it. Where like I used to take the bathrobe all the time because like the bathrobes at hotels are really nice. And then one time I got a big charge and I was like, okay, I can't do that anymore. Um, and How so many like, bathrobes the, were you taking? I I had like four or five. <laughs> You beat Mills's washcloth accidental collection. <laughs> well, so it was fully intentional now. because honestly, it got to a point where in college I was I was traveling a lot between just my fraternity and then some stuff for the business school as well. So I was like in a hotel almost once a month, and the math I did in my head was, I can college kid. All right, I'm a broke college kid. I can wash my towels or I can get a new one every month. So I can just see Q with like his bathrobe collection. Like, I think I'll wear the Hilton this evening. <laughs> like just I used to have Did a Did you flaunt these the thefts? No, 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 no. It was it was strictly like from a budgetary standpoint, I was like, this makes so much sense. Like why wouldn't I just get a new towel and bathrobe every month? Uh, and then funny enough, when I was an agent, I actually used to represent this comedian who to this day, his shtick is he performs in a bathroom. Was it a stolen hotel bathroom? No. He's got like the nice, ba- he's got nice bathrobes though. It's like, Hunter oh, Guy Q. Honestly, nothing like a good bathroom. No, no pun intended. Don't sleep on a good bathrobe. Like Dude. a good quality bathrobe can change the world. So this is a very weird tidbit of life that will go in my non-existent autobiography but i realized there are luxury robes like you can spend thousands of dollars on a robe are you guys are you guys hip to this like cashmere silk robe life not you're both frozen i'm not i'm not hip in the sense that like no i'm not going and perusing because honestly it would just make me sad because i didn't want one like lana was on the receiving end of all of my orange smokers jackets while i was at bitcoin magazine (laughs) wow wow so you're you're rich well i had a a client that i was helping like are you okay we're good keep going keep going what happened? My my camera for both of you is frozen. So you just ran into his background. <laughs> like all my books Amazing. almost fell over. It's fine. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Yeah, Chris. Um, Chris having fun being poor, not buying thousand dollar bathrobes. Just so you know, not not one, not one K. More than that. 
Um, it's it's inappropriate. It's inappropriately expensive. But I was I, I used to do um, it's called Styled by Mills, and I would do home consultations and closet consultations, and I would do this kind of just independent word of mouth with and I was I was going through this closet of this woman on the Upper East Side and this robe it was super soft she was getting rid of it someone had I don't know given it to her as a gift I don't know if it was like a suitor or I have no idea but she gave it to me she was going to get rid of it and I wore it I was heading out for the weekend and I wore it kind of like a trench before robes were actually cool as clothing and just leaned in and then one of my friends was like have you looked that robe up and and sure enough I did and it's like three thousand dollars is this the Bobisa oh what Loro Piana silk cashmere thirty five hundred dollars no but it's a Saint Elgin of Scotland Oh, because this is Italian, but it's silk cashmere featuring classic lapels and patch pockets for thirty-five. Oh, Johnston's of Elgin. So like, these are obviously like robes to wear out, not like a post. No, these are at home. This is like a yeah. I don't know why anyone would have this money. Yeah, the our recommendations along with that queue are slippers. So this is definitely oh, like a hotel slippers. Like, I I take I take them home with me all the time. They last two weeks and then they're in the trash. But ba- like well, that is, oh, I don't go anywhere in my house without slippers. I accidentally left the house today wearing them. <laughs> I've I've done that so many times to my house slippers that like I've washed the house slippers afterwards too to like make them. I'm very big on like this is like an Asian household almost like no shoes in the house type of thing. Yeah. So I just I'm I'm a socks in the house kind of guy. That's fair. Something, just not shoes. Not fair. shoes, you can't go barefoot. I can't I just I've learned this about myself. I'm a bit of a germaphobe. I don't I don't like outside germs inside of my bed. Kind of grosses me out. It's but it's pretty gross. It, it is. Um we're gonna have to go over. I'm gonna I'm gonna suck it up. Uh, but screen time. I, I'm trying to be a better person. I'm trying. Um, Lana, you alluded to the now renamed Bitcoin conference that will be in Miami. Yeah, I know the two of you had the pleasure of going to Consensus. We've mm-hmm. all had the pleasure of attending Amsterdam as well as attending last year's Bitcoin conference in Miami. Mills, there's no shortage of the conferences you've attended. Uh, I've got like maybe two more to add to that list, and then my my run is up. Um, I guess I'll start by saying, what is your favorite conference? And if you tell me the conference you guys put on, I'm going to cut your mic. (laughs) Wow, I see this is a dictatorship. Great. I just I want authentic answers. I, so the frustrating part is uh, you're going to have to cut my mic. I haven't been okay. To be fair, my favorite would be Amsterdam. Not like B22 was actually really incredible. It's where I interviewed to get my job. But Amsterdam, besides spending time in excess with both of you lovely people, it was just a really incredible experience. It was the first time I'd ever seen Bitcoin. 
outside of just my own backyard, right? Like you see people speaking in a language you don't understand, talking about things that presumably you've already talked about with your friends. Like it's, it's cool to zoom out and see Bitcoin on a scale that I hadn't before seen. I dig that. I, I, I'm almost surprised. And I know obviously we've talked about like what your situation was at B22, but I will say like, as someone who like worked B22, like was up until 2 a.m. putting the folding chairs out of the main stage the night before going this year and knowing that I don't have any of those responsibilities. Like I'm so happy. I'm so happy. (laughs) Rumor has it. We're not going to be putting out as many, like we have more hands to put out the chairs. So yeah, that's what they said last year too. (laughs) You can say maniacally laughing right now. <laughs> Stevie and I have been having a good laugh because she keeps reminding me, like, you don't work there, so don't stay up until 2 a.m. helping them set up chairs. I'm like, I'm not. <laughs> like, I won't. Don't worry, I won't either. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Chris, I'm kidding. I'll, I'll tell you point blank. Chris will not. <laughs> two. I'm looking in the chat. Who's here who can tell on me? I promise I'll help with the chairs. Wink, wink. <laughs> Mills, what is your favorite conference and why is it not the Bitcoin conference? Because I know yours won't be. You're right. But also, I mean, little shill for, and I'm going to be so embarrassed if I'm wrong, but pretty sure the little write-up I did for Bitcoin Amsterdam is in the Gatekeepers issue, which is our new issue um, that is newly minted i have a dot 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 from our i'm like i i'm alluding to something um i wrote this piece this is my first in the print piece um or in, in a print mag but i am a conference like connoisseur i i guess i i've just been to i worked in event experiential marketing event production i did conferences i produced conferences and i have just been to i've just been to more conferences probably than anyone ever needs to go to so that was an unnecessarily long caveat to i wouldn't say are you asking favorite bitcoin conference or favorite conference period because i want i'll take the second because i i know what the answer is and the answer that i want is only going to come if I say the second one. So not Bitcoin conference? Just conference in general. Oslo Freedom Forum. Yep. Yep. Um, and the way Matt O'Dell described it was that it's like 80% freedom fighting human rights activists, 20% financial freedom. But of that, financial freedom track, 80% of it is about Bitcoin, Bitcoin education, talking about all the, like, the the ways in which Bitcoin can be a freedom tool. So 16% of the conference for the other math nerds out there. (laughs) That's fast math. Did you calculate that? Uh, Yeah. Wow. Um, Yeah. 
So, but I let's feel now like it's, skip. it's the real conversation about why I believe in Bitcoin or why I care about Bitcoin or why I even want to work in Bitcoin. I don't know. I, I, you're the host, Q. I'm I mean, sorry. I'm just no, no, no. Why are you saying sorry? Dance. Why are you saying sorry? I should have been leading you on the dance, but no, I wanted you to discuss Oslo because I think it's very important. You know, there are so many people in this space that whether we like it or not, like I, I'm spacing right now on the number of wallets we have, but let's be perfectly honest. If you think that more than half of those people who hold Bitcoin today right now believe in the things that we believe, I think you're a little naive. And I genuinely think there's a majority of Bitcoin holders and users today who are genuinely just, yeah, when it's worth a million bucks, like I'm going to be a millionaire. Like they don't see it as that next step, that next evolution of money. And conferences like the Oslo Freedom Forum are so important because it humanizes Bitcoin's use cases today, right now, outside of our financial privileged bubble. And for most of us in the West, we can look at Bitcoin as this speculative bet of, yeah, buy, hold it, don't think about it for five years. Like, put the money that you don't need for the next five years in Bitcoin, like, then, then come back to it and deal with it then. However, for the vast majority of the global population, that's not the opportunity that they're afforded. They don't have $50 a week to DCA into Bitcoin or 20 the way you did Mills or Lana, the way, you know, John eventually got you into it, but he's using a spare laptop to mine. Like most families in Iran have one computer that they share amongst cousins, aunts, and uncles. Yeah. So there are use cases for Bitcoin today, right now. And that's why I think a conference like the Oslo Freedom Forum is so, so important because it humanizes Bitcoin today. Yeah. And I am i don't know which stage it's going to be on, but I know I get to host a conversation, kind of a, a snapshot, I suppose, of the Oslo Freedom Forum at the conference in Miami. Um, and it I don't know exactly what the title is going to be. I'm trying not to commit to anything uh, really concrete here, but it is, it's basically Bitcoin doesn't care. Bitcoin doesn't care if you're a woman. It doesn't care if you're young. It doesn't, it doesn't care really where you are. It's permissionless. And it is actually in a very amazing and incredible way because of all the things that it makes possible. It is a freedom tool and it is an ability. It, it provides the ability for people to have independence and freedom in a lot of, you know, I, I don't know that it's got the best use case in the U.S., you know, and I, I talked to a lot of Americans. I'm like, OK, yeah, you don't need it. You can whatever. Carry your own gold. You've got it. Whatever. You're fine. Yeah. And I, I I'm not jaded in the sense that I'm you know, not going to try and convince someone why Bitcoin's great. It's, it's more, I'm going to just always figure out what they value about life, who they are, what are they interested in and passionate about. And probably if I like this person and we're having a good conversation, they're probably, you know, naming something that ties back to Bitcoin and 
you know, tailor make that. I don't, I don't like shoving anything down anyone, you know, like I, I want everyone to, sh- to choose to opt in. And I think, you know, realizing that a lot of the world is unbanked, you know, a lot of people, I, I want to talk about remittance off ramps, which I don't feel like anyone's like, Oh, Mills, I've heard you're really interested in this. Would you like to be on this podcast? That has not happened for remittance off ramps, but just, you know, I'll just keep sending up the, the light into the sky. You have to come back for two episodes. We got to do our mandibles book club episode and we're going to do remittance on ramps because I had a very fun conversation recently with a couple of workers who work for my dad who are El Salvadorian construction workers and I went down a very interesting rabbit hole with them. But on ramps or off ramps or both? Both. Okay. Um also we need to consult Chris for the book club, Lana. I mean, should we say like Fourth of July? Like do That's like done. a patriotic okay, cool. I just like to have some action guys, steps, guys. Oh, this isn't a beating. Oh, don't you worry. I will be hounding you in your DMs. <laughs> I will hunt you down. That but- buys me time to read it. <laughs> Although I'm looking for a book a month right now, so there's hope for me yet. Mandibles yeah, well, is I quickly. know you're going to be spending a lot of time at the beach and the pool while we're in Miami, Lana, because <laughs> she's not putting out those folding chairs. That's for damn sure. Lounging. <laughs> um, what what uh what surprises can we spoil for Bitcoin Miami here for our five viewers right now? I don't know about any surprises that we can spoil. There's a couple pretty cool announcements that I've gotten wind of that mm-hmm. I cannot spoil. So I can just say there's some there's actually some announcements to get excited for, which you never know in a bear market. You're like, is anyone actually like so you mentioned we went to we both went to consensus and I'm gonna be perfectly honest, that was my first time going to any conference that wasn't like completely just stratify or something like not Bitcoin only. It was very, I'll call it altcoins. It was very altcoin focused and there was nothing exciting. Like nobody seems to be like, like there's a couple cool like product launches, but nothing super, super, super like world changing or earth shattering or like this is something that's actually going to help the masses. There was like one product launch that Mills and I went to that I was like, oh, that's actually pretty cool because they're trying to simplify using crypto and using Bitcoin, which I think is pretty cool. But otherwise, not a ton of innovation. I feel like there's a couple of really good announcements coming up um, in Miami that I'm pretty stoked for, but cannot share. There was an hour of Bitcoin content at Consensus and the third, they've split it into 20 minute chunks and the third was Ben Carmen talking about lightning innovations and like if if you think about an entire three-day conference and there was an hour of bitcoin content you know the bar is is so wildly low and i guess there's that surprise but but i i think what i would say is compared like food experience and kind of interactiveness i would say that we're gonna win if this was a competition um it would be uh more or something i'm just marrying vague words here bail me out 
<laughs> it's not a but if it were, it would be an unfair win. I mean, everything's a competition. Only people who are losing think it's not. Well, good thing we all agree that it's I a think- competition then. <laughs> Mills is trying oh, to hedge. Goodness. Should we get jerseys? Hey, I've got I've got some Ukraine basketball. I was about to say, don't we have a team Bitcoin jersey that QR I never got? Code. <laughs> Q is oh, I'll bring the you jersey one. jersey. I have I have I'll the bring, t-shirt. I'll bring you one. I'll bring one to Miami for you. Oh, I would love that. Yes. Oh, so, that okay, Mills, I'm gonna bring you a book. You're gonna bring Q the jersey. I'll bring you pot. I'm in California. <laughs> Okay, I will DM you with what else I'm I'm bringing. I don't feel comfortable airing it on air, though. That's fair. <laughs> it's good stuff. It's real good stuff. Word. Chris, yeah, great point. Q, what size? Medium. All right, so both Chris and Q, I'm making a note right now. Also, I'm going to watch Night Film. This is great. Read I'm reading it. my notes. I don't think it's read. Yet. I'm going to read Night Film. I'll bring it to you. That'll be my gift to you. I'm so excited, guys. It's going to be great. I'm waiting for someone to offer to bring me something that isn't pot, and I like chocolate, just saying. I mean, okay, do you I want a jersey? Oh, well, honestly, Lana, I'm bringing you chocolate. It's just... Again. It's just... It's got it. Thanks. What, Mark, what are you dibsing? Do you want jersey. a jersey, too? Does everyone want jerseys? I've just had a box of these in my What's office. jersey? <laughs> all right you want Everyone a small one just bring the whole box they'll they'll be claimed in no time you're right i'll bring the box of jerseys <laughs> she's actually oh. taking notes too mini chill that's true that's true so we're going back to amsterdam and by we i mean the two of you are you not uh, gonna go unless bitcoin magazine's gonna invite me and pay for me to come out again <laughs> I that got really quiet really fast. Well, I just I got yelled at oh, once. I, I can't get job for that. So. You did not. No. Hmm. I I will die. You'll die on the hill of Harry Potter. I will die on the hill that that was not anybody's downfall because I can't. No. No. We'll sidebar. Um, I digress though. Are we excited to go back? Will you be bringing all the business that I gave to the coffee shops once again in lieu of my absence, or will the coffee shops suffer this time around? I'm curious if I'm actually gonna go. I don't know. I don't know if either of us are. It's a little too soon to know who's like on the list, but maybe we've got maybe, but if so, then yeah, no, we'll keep them in business. On your honor. I, st- I tried so hard to convince that shop that I was like forcing everyone to go to because it was so close to the venue. That first night, Dylan Healy and I go, and I was like, hey, so we're having a Bitcoin conference like down the street from here. I will be bringing people here probably like multiple times a day. Would you be interested in potentially like accepting Bitcoin at least just for a few days? And we would help you guys set it up be able to collect and all that and the lady was like absolutely not no go away which one take your take your weed and go elsewhere oh my god so mark is definitely number one on the list he was promised he was going so there's that we have at least one person going 
I went to Amsterdam twice last year and Oslo twice last year. So I feel like I've had the unfair travel advantage. Um, Also, Q, I thought about you this 420 because just so happened to be in New York, a block from Washington Square Park at Pubkey. And Mr. Away Slice is walking up and I'm, you know, going to give him a hug. And I mean, on purpose, I, we had okay. a redeemed GBTC meetup, um, like shareholder meetup at PubKey and then did a Twitter spaces before. And he's like, I'll come hang out at the bar. I, it was planned, intentional. But he's like, wow, Washington Square Park. I don't know why Josh does not talk like this. I'm so sorry, Josh. <laughs> wow. He's like, Washington Square Park is crazy. And I was like, yeah, I mean, I can see it down the block. He's like, yeah, just so many people smoking weed. It's insane. I don't know. I was like, it is April 20th. It is 420. He's like, that explains it. Yep. That that all checks out. The laws in New York are actually more lax than the laws in LA as far as in California in general as far as smoking goes. And I, I didn't know this until I went to New York a couple of years ago, but apparently anywhere you are legally allowed to smoke a cigarette, you are also legally allowed to smoke pot. But in LA, for example, like you can't legally smoke weed outdoors. You can, but it happens. Oh, as if that stops me. It doesn't. <laughs> but the, the point I'm trying to make is like, like if you see a cop, you should try to hide it here in LA. In New York, you can blow smoke into a cop's face and he can't do anything about it. Wait, what do you mean here in LA? Are you in Florida? No, I'm literally still in my parents' basement right now. We're going to sidebar. You guys could be hanging out. She lives lives so far away. She literally lives like I'm close. I have a car, Q. You live far away by bike. Yeah, because I don't have a car. Wow, shots fired. No, well, thank he, you guys so much for joining us this evening. Uh, I had no idea you were, that's why you're like, I'll bring you weed. I'm like, I can bring my own weed. I'm in LA. Um, we'll sidebar that. Yeah, we'll, we'll sidebar, but I digress. Is there anything else we want to hit? Because I want to leave us chomping the bits for the next time the two of you join, because this has been way too much fun. And the two of you guys are definitely coming back on. Yeah, no, I, I go ahead, Mills. Everyone read the mandibles, and we've got a July 4th book club. And go steal a Bible from your local hotel. (laughs) Yes, you are allowed. (laughs) We give you permission to steal the Bible. Someone's Uh, going to get struck, I'm telling you. Also, I want to call back one thing, though. Chris had commented a ways back, House of Leaves. House of Leaves was one of the first, like, oh, Books can be a performance art or in, like a, interactive kind of art. Um, Chris, if you're reading that for the first time, let's talk about it. I would say my answer of the book that I'm just going back to right now is a 1942, four-ish, five-ish, The Woman You Want to Be. And it's like a charm etiquette uh, it's like so politically incorrect. It's just laughable. But 
some really cool stuff. So a lot of the stuff I've been working on writing about femininity has been influenced and informed. Um, I'm baby birding a little bit of this book in a way that this is out of print and a lot of people would have a lot of barrier to entry, I would, I would say, because of some of the suggestions. But anyway, the woman you want to be, Marjorie something. I'm Googling it. Lana, I will leave you to say the final word of goodbye to our audience. Oh, God. No Come pressure. To Bitcoin conference. Use promo code QQQ if you have not gotten a ticket yet. There you go. Or Lana 10, but take your pick. Q, no, Q, if you Q, use QQQ. Mills. No, use QQQ. I'll bring you a joint. I will know if you use my promo code. So that's and it's it's worth noting that like ninety percent of the people watching this right now are already have tickets. Yeah, but it's fine. Already have free tickets. <laughs> um, final word. Can I steal Odell's "Stay Humble" stack sets? Beautifully said. Or you know what? No, no, no. I I change it. I don't want to steal Odell's. Get follow Q's advice at lifestyle and get off Twitter after this. Just. Go do something that doesn't require a screen or a dead scroll or an algorithm. Twitch. Ladies and gentlemen, that has been another episode of Late Night Bitcoin. I totally steamrolled you, Mills, but I'm going to make that judgment call to call it right now. Love you both. Love you all for tuning in. I will be back next week. Woo. Thanks for